You're listening to Fireside Chats Without the Fires podcast, where customer experience enthusiasts are inspired by our weekly CX practitioners and thought leaders who share their insights and knowledge. And now, here are your hosts, Neil Toff and Paul Catherall. Fireside Chats Without the Fires, Season 2, Episode 15. If you're seeing this on video, this is Pastel Shirt Friday, as uh, one of our guests is wearing pastel colors, and two of our guests, including yours truly and our, and our guest, uh, are wearing plaid shirts of pastel-like colors. Uh, why is that important? It's important because we're what we're talking about is experiences and we're experiencing pastel and pastels are colors that I think should make us happy. I'm happy on Friday. And if I know what co-host extraordinaire Paul Catherall is feeling, I would say what he's feeling is an emotion that starts with a B, but I'll let him share it. Paul, you are feeling today what? Neil, I'm buzzing. I am buzzing. This is amazing, honestly. <laughs> amazing. We did it. We, we found a way to involve the, the, the concept of pastel shirts in the intro, we checked another Kudos. box Kudos, in, in podcast craziness. Uh, it, is a, it is a great session today because we are going to talk about experiences. And you're going to say, well, if we need to talk about experiences. It's all you guys talk about. You're talking about customer experiences. Well, you're right. But we're going to experience the experiences because our guest today, Bob Asman, has written a chapter in the Customer Experience 3 book. And the title of that chapter in that book is Experience Your Customer's Experiences! Exclamation point! Please! Exclamation point. And it's a great chapter. We're going we're to get to ask him some questions and talk about what experience the experiences really means. Bob, welcome to the program. Thank you for joining us. Glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me to join this crazy Pastel Friday podcast. <laughs> exactly. It's all about buzzing and pastels and, and, and stuff. <laughs> By the way, we have fun on this podcast. There's lots of podcasts out there. Uh, this is maybe the only one where we talk about pastels, et cetera. Um, let's jump right into it. So for those that are not yet familiar with Bob Asman's work, I want to share with you a, and, and put on your seatbelts for this one, because there's a lot of really great, deep experience in customer experience in Bob's background. Bob is the Chief Customer Officer and Chief Experience Consultant at Innovative CX Solutions. But that's not all he's done. He was the Vice President of Customer Experience, Americas and Global at Carlson Wagonlet Travel. He was the Customer Experience Officer at Avtech Solutions, yay Minnesota. Uh, he was the Senior Vice President of Customer Experience at Thomson Reuters, and there's a long, long, long list of other things that he's done that are just really sensational, strong uh, experiences in the customer experience field. In addition to those things, Bob is a senior lecturer of supply chain and operations management at the Carlson School of Management at the University of Minnesota. He is a senior lecturer uh, in the executive education program at Rutgers Business School in New Jersey. And he's the emeritus board chairperson and member of the board of directors of the venerable Customer Experience Professional Association, also known as CXPA. So when we're talking about someone that uh, is really well-versed in CX, that does CX, that has worked in CX, that teaches and educates in CX, that lives and spends his free time outside of his work life in CX, he's doing it. This is the example of someone that is walking the walk and talking the talk. Bob, I think that's fair, right? You are walking and talking CX talk. 
Absolutely. Uh, again, welcome to the program. We, we're excited to talk about um, your chapter in the Customer Experience 3 book. We've had uh, several guests thus far uh, previously that have contributed chapters to that book, and we have many more guests uh, to come uh, as well that have contributed to the book. What, what a great collection of stories, uh, not stories, forgive me, of, of, uh, of lessons, of teachings, of uh, experiences uh, in this uh, burgeoning industry. Um, what I love about your book is that uh, you, first of all, you tell some great stories. There are some really concrete, specific lessons. Um, and there's some great things that just that people can take away. So again, the chapter is, is called um, Experience Your Customers' Experiences, Please, and those are with exclamation points. Um, I want to read a quote from the chapter. Let me just open it up. Uh, I really like this. I want to read just a couple short quotes that I highlighted. Understand your customers' experiences. Understand, uh, understand what your customers' experiences are when buying your products and services. By the way, that sounds very simple, right? But that is the point of what Bob wants us to take away from this. We need to understand what the heck is going on when our customers are buying our products or services. There's another recommendation that he shares. I'm going to also a quote. Here's a better idea, he says. Recreate the client experience by following an order through your plant. This comes from an article from uh, the Harvard Business Review that is now considered, I think it's called, what is it? It's a classic, I think we said, right? right Bob? Correct, it's a, a classic. classic. <laughs> uh, the article is entitled, let me, let me pull it back up, Staple Yourself to an Order. Uh, and by the way, it is recommended by Bob in the chapter to read that article. So I did, I followed up, I read the article, and it was a great compliment to this chapter. Some really great things in here about following our customers' experiences. Bob, share just a little bit what this exactly means. Give us kind of the, the quick notes version of what you really are implying here when we talk about this. Well, uh, I think that the uh, short version of what we're talking about is how do you know what your customer experience is without buying your own products and services? I mean, that's in a nutshell. We're all consumers and something happens, Neil, when we walk in the front doors of our organizations in the good old days when we could walk in the front doors of our organizations and we suddenly forget that we're consumers and we start making policies and practices and developing new products and uh, implementing uh, contact center procedures that don't match what we would want as a consumer. And so the nutshell of this chapter is to say the best way to understand your customer is to try to do business with yourself, your own organization's products and services. Are you easy to do business with? That's the bottom line of this chapter. Think about stapling yourself to the order, right? By the way, right. so the article I think was 2004. I mean, we were st we still had you know uh, apps. I think were being built then. I mean, it's, it's clearly a different world then. But, but just think of yourself stapling. That's it's sort of a very analog word these days. Stapling. I, I loved it. But um, right. that that part aside, it, it, you refer to um, what the article talks about is the order management cycle and i just i, I love that you got to get into the kind of the, the the logistics the part of the supply chain what's happening once someone hits submit on the purchase 
what takes place every second thereafter until the order is fulfilled, and even then post-service, post right? That's what, that's what this is really referring to. Right. I mean, it's intended to be a closed-loop system. Now, you mentioned the classic publication of that article. The original Staple Yourself to an Order was published in 1992. So, you know, the internet was barely on the scene. Um, we didn't know the term customer experience. We were heading into a process re-engineering phase with Michael Hammer. Um, and, and, but what this article really does is it says, go through every step in your order management process. Now, I was presenting this a number of years ago in a conference and uh, someone in the back of the room raised their hand and he said, uh, I work for, uh, I work for Caterpillar or, or one of the big um, manufacturing organizations like that. And he said, what do you expect me to do? Build a bulldozer just to see what it's like to do business with us. And you guys don't know me that well right now, but you can guess what my answer was. It was, yeah. And by the way, why don't you, instead of just building one for the sake of building one, why don't you go grab the arm of the customer that placed that order and walk that, bring them to your facility and walk them through your order management cycle as their bulldozer is being made. Well, you would have thought I blasphemed because how we could never, the customer could see all the things that we do. Right, well, what are you hiding from the customer? And I'm not being specific to Caterpillar now, I'm just saying in general. Well, why are you concerned about a customer seeing how you produce a product? I mean, that that's a whole different subject, right? If that's a concern of yours. So this kind of marries not only having your leadership teams walk through every step of the order management process, but why don't you get your customers involved in it too to see how their products and services are being made? And, and one quick addition to that, I know what the audience is going to start thinking right away. Well, I'm B2C, I can't do that. I make too many products, I have too many customers, or I'm B2B, that won't work for me. Baloney. Uh, this B2B and B2C is just, it doesn't matter to me. You can You can make this work. I, I love that. Uh, you're right. That's, that's a section of the chapter that I just love. And it made me think like, wait, you mean I, I, I should do this in my own company? I should sit in the shoes of my clients and understand what the heck it's like for them. And But you mean I actually invest in this? Like, but they're not going to buy it. They're not going to pay for it. Or maybe they will pay for it. You guys should build a bulldozer. And you're right. Yeah, we'll build a damn bulldozer. <laughs> right. and see what it's like. I love it. Uh, by the way, I also... You didn't blaspheme yourself. I love that. That I never heard blaspheme used as a verb. I blaspheme this. I never used it as a verb. Before. But I have learned something in this. I've made a note here. Blaspheme. Love that. Thank you. For I that. don't know. We were into um, B words: buzzing, blaspheme. <laughs> I, I just... Exactly. I love it. Blaspheme. Loved it. Um, so we all know that the customer experience world is just exploding. Um, there's so much activity. There's hiring. There's creation of these jobs. Uh, called customer experience officer. Uh, the whole concept of, of experience is so now so much more important to our organizations before. Customer experience is also just a very, it's such a broad field. It includes so many different things. One thing that I really like about your book is that you kind of break many, if not all of those things down and offer an approach how one by one we can start to understand the experience of our customers. Could you help walk us through what a few of the, the most important lessons are? How, where do we get started? What should we look at 
uh, when trying to put ourselves in the experience of our customers. So I, again, I want to go back to the overall umbrella intent of this is uh, to be easy to do business with. And sometimes that's kind of a flippant term, you know, well, of course, we're easy to do business with. But I think if you start with that premise and then begin stepping through every component of not only the order management system, but how does a prospect come into your organization? How do they decide to, to buy? What happens when they do buy? And, and what's the closed loop, if you will, of information that you get? I think you then have a lens that you can look at to say, well, that isn't very easy to do business with, or why do we do that? And, and should we make it easier for the customer in this step in the process or that step works? I mean, we always kind of look at this with a negative uh, lens sometimes about, well, things are broken, we got to fix them. Well, there are things that got you where you are today as a successful company, so don't throw those out. Affirm that those are the things that are working and then look at the things that are not. And the most important aspect of going through what I'm suggesting with experience your experience is the closed loop. Once you've done this, if you say, oh, that was a nice experience, you know, what's next on the, on the calendar, then don't do it. Take those learnings and then drive it back into every department within the organization and say, just what I said, affirm a strength, identify an opportunity for improvement, do the improvement, follow the order through again, are we easier to do business with? Neil and Paul, what just baffles my mind is when I call to order a product, to get information, and you go through endless interactive voice response units, or you don't get the information you need, or the links don't work, or the promotion. I mean, the list, I, I put it in my book, all the different things that go wrong. How, as a person that's running that organization, can you possibly believe a customer is interested in doing business with you if you don't understand the mess that you've created in trying to process an order? All for good reasons, right? At least in the mind of the leadership, it's for good reasons. But the, but the customer says, all I want to do is order a product. Why do you make it so difficult? Take that information, drive it back into the organization and make improvements. That's where this process has the most benefit. You know, as you're saying this, uh, two things are occurring to me. So number one is I love the examples in the book of uh, how many times if you were to actually test your own website, are you going to, when you click on links, you're going to get the 404 error message, right? Or the other example you give, which I love, is the um, nine different menus and submenus in your IVR just to get to, uh, you know, a simple process uh, initiated. Yeah, it's, we're, we're, we're so far removed from understanding those stuff if we don't test our own stuff, right? Right. And no offense to our outstanding technology partners in this space, but these things break. And you've got to be monitoring them on a regular basis. And the customer shouldn't be telling you, by the way, when I pressed one for sales, I got credit. Uh, you know, I was routed to the wrong place. The customer shouldn't be telling you that. You should know that. So the other thing I was going to mention to you that you made me think of, and I just I, I did it subconsciously, but now I think it's because I read your book. Is um, long story short, uh, my company is putting a chat bot uh, on a certain uh, website, and I told the person who's in charge of it, make sure that you test the heck out of it both on a mobile phone as well as on a computer because the experience will be different. The last thing you want to have is a chat bot 
blocking the text or appearing every 10 seconds and being a pain in the tush visually uh, and just the user experience to be bad and to block the overall intent, which is to try to get to a certain place. You've got to test those things. And I learned that because I read your book, your chapter, rather. Like it, I, it embedded into my head uh, and, I, and I, I, I gave that instruction. You've got to make sure that the experience is absolutely correct. And I, you're right. I've, I've learned something. Well, that, that, that's good because uh, one of my favorite things to do in my pastime is stump the chatbot. And that's a great way to test it is do, you know, be on the chat yourself and try to stump it and try to make sure it understands what to do. And I know this is all about AI and learning and that's a whole different subject. But if you're going to do a chatbot, you better be ready. Sure. So as part of the um, staple yourself to the order concept, I think some would refer to that as mystery shopper or secret shopper. Um, there's also the TV show. I forget what the TV show was called, where the, the CEO disguised him, him or herself as oh. as a customer, as an employee, or whatever it was. What, what was it called? Um, anyone know what the name what the name of that show was? Undercover oh, Boss. Undercover Boss. That's yeah. 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 Undercover Boss. So, like, I think yeah. the concept is kind of the same. It's 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 really going in underneath and trying to discover what's there. What right. companies that you're aware of actually do this? Do it successfully? Are there any examples you could point to that you know? Uh, that 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 whether it's the CEO or it's this, this this the chief customer officer or somebody who cares about the customer that's actually doing these activities. Well, I can tell you that at uh, well, let me let me make one comment about your comparison to mystery shopping. I think the biggest difference here is we want this to be a very visible process. As we mentioned at the beginning, we want it to be visible to customers. We want it to be visible to leadership. We want it to be visible in the organization. We don't want it hidden. Um, there's certain, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with mystery shopping. There may be value there, but what we want is highly visible because we want to raise up the visibility of the experience within the organization. So I'll give you one example. At, at Thomson Reuters, we started a process, and to my knowledge, they still continue this, of having uh, leadership and employees from across the company interact with customers. So uh, to the extent that it's permitted, where they could listen to recordings, they could look at the products, they could talk to product managers, they could look at how orders were processed or produced, and they we would have these customer fairs uh, a couple of times a year that it were open to everybody. They could come in, they could you know follow the order through the process, so to speak, and really experience what was happening and. The, the, the comment I hear oftentimes is, you know, I'm in the back office. I don't impact the customer experience or I'm not the salesperson. I can't possibly. Uh, that is so wrong. Um, that is so wrong. And they're saying it with the best of intentions. But the reality is, is that we need to bring people across the organization forward. I'll give you one other quick example besides Thomson Reuters. I, I consulted with a large fitness equipment manufacturer and they were were uh, working on a way to really link the health decision of the customer with the customer experience. And they were really struggling with this. And they did the same thing. They took marketing and sales and customer management and operations and finance and they and they walked the orders through. They listened to calls. They looked at how they were selling the products and services, and it just completely changed the way they approached um, 
the, 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 the process of experience for the customer. Sure. So, and I'm certainly one of the people I'm going to just describe here. I think that our audience likes, and I think many colleagues in our industry like, they like takeaways. They're like a top five. They're like, if you do this, then you get that. They want to hold on to something concrete. Is there a specific thing or things that if you do this, you will get that? So if you put yourself truly in the shoes of the customer and truly understand the experience, if you truly staple yourself to the order, if you experience your customer's experiences, exclamation point, please, exclamation point, what comes after that? So great question, and and for the analytics in the audience, I probably don't have a specific measurement for you to say you're going to increase customer retention by 10%. But what I can tell you is that in every case where I've done this in companies or with consulting with companies, there have been at least five major takeaways that are process improvements that have significantly improved the experience. And I think what's important to remember here too is that, and, and by the way, that, then the other problem is you don't wanna boil the ocean, right? You don't wanna to try to tackle all five at the same time. You wanna say, wait a minute, these are five big ones. Let's go after one or two, let's get some wins, let's get some momentum behind us. But you will see a change and, and you will see a change in retention. You'll see a change in satisfaction. But here's the kicker for me is I, I, I'm kind of tired of companies totally focused on NPS or CSAT or whatever it is. One metric. We have to move this metric. We have to move this metric. Or when you see improvement, somebody will say, well, it was because we did it. It was because the customer experience team did it. No, it's because you took those five things you learned from walking through the process you made improvements across each department and function within your organization. And collectively, you produced better experiences, better satisfaction, better MPS, however you measure uh, over the time frame. So I, I, I've seen it in reality. It's hard for me to give you a metric, but I've seen that it always produces at least five major things that you need to look at. No, that's perfect. I, I really like that. Thank you. And, and also, I love the expression, don't boil the ocean. But it's so true in what we do. We try to boil the ocean. We expect that we can boil the ocean, and you can't turn, you can't do that. It doesn't work as much as we want to, and as much pressure as we get, both from customers and from management, it just doesn't work. These are, these are, uh, this is a marathon, not a sprint, as they say. Right. But you do need those quick wins, Neil. I, that's what I, I talk to companies a lot about is don't spend a year trying to improve something. Go after something, get an 80% solution and demonstrate back to the organization, hey, this worked and this is what happened. And you're going to get that momentum and that win behind you. Then you can tackle a lot more faster once you get that win. Thank you. So I'm going to change gears here. Um, for those that may not know, Bob also has a CX podcast, uh, and it's a really nice one. Um, he's, he's had some, some really great guests that span um, span the range of uh, industry, customer, uh, uh, company type, uh, hierarchy level in, level in an organization. His podcast is called All Things Considered CX, and it's part of the CX of M radio series. 
Um, and I listened recently to uh, one of the sessions, and there's actually two recent guests that really caught my attention among the uh, really great guests that you had. There was a guest from the Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport who occupies a customer experience role. And there was another guest from a public library um, that is the chief customer experience officer. You mean to tell me that the government, that the public sector that operates airports and libraries now has customer experience profiles working in these organizations? That, that's an incredible comment about the, the, the explosive nature of customer experience. Here's where I'm going with this. A, audience, check out the podcast. But B, I want to ask you, Bob, where do you see the overall customer experience field going? Is the explosive growth in the field just going to continue? Or are we going to see somehow the name evolve, the focus evolve? Where do you see this industry going? So a couple of thoughts come to mind uh, about where the industry is going. And, and one is, is that we have to do a better job of defining customer experience as a profession. And uh, there, there are plenty of examples right now where uh, everybody's being called a customer experience specialist. And they might be in sales, they might be in customer service, they might be in marketing. And yet there is a profession called customer experience. And there are very there are a lot of very qualified professionals whose job it is to deliver a better experience within the organization, to lead that effort, to prompt others to participate in the process of improving the experience. So I think as the so so the good news is everybody's talking about customer experience. The not so good news is I think we need to focus in on a profession as what are the key um, jobs within an organization that are necessary to help drive experience across the functions. So two quick comments around that. When the pandemic hit, we saw a lot of organizations furlough customer experience professionals as if it was a travel that could be controlled or uh, advertising expense that was a uh, discretionary expense. And at the same time, there were some organizations who said, now more than ever, we have to invest in the customer experience. And so when we come out of this pandemic, customers will remember that we were with them hand in hand, walking through the pandemic with them. And, and I, I heard this in 2008 in the financial crisis, similar situations where companies said, we're not going to cut experience, we're going to invest in experience. As difficult as it might be, we have to do this. And so I think what we're seeing now is the companies that did that are going to emerge um, much stronger than they were before the pandemic. And those that chose to use a banner on their website that said, because of the pandemic, we can't deliver a good service to you are, are going to suffer from that. So I think the profession stands on a precipice right now where we can say we're emerging from this pandemic. The CX professionals can now help drive uh, the experience going forward in in a different world than we had, whatever it is, 17 or 18 months ago. So bottom line for me is the profession is really in a position well to take the lead and, and, the, and to prove the reasons why investing makes sense. And the second part of that is I think we need more focus that this is a profession 
Not everybody's a marketing professional. Not everybody's a CX professional. And, and we need to focus the profession. I love this. Uh, it makes me want to take a seat uh, in one of your classrooms, uh, whether it be Minnesota or Rutgers. Uh, by the way, Big Ten connection. You are a professor at two Big Ten universities, for those who follow college athletics in the U.S. Two yes. Big Ten universities. That's, that's, that's interesting. Um, well, wow, this is great. Thank you. I want us to move to the final third of our um, of our session today. We'd like to ask our guests three questions. First question is, and I look forward to the response here. This is, this is going to be a great one because um, I think you're going to take a different, unexpected angle here. A CX myth. Pick one and bust it. You need to do a journey map in order to have an effective CX strategy. Now, I know... Whoa. I know. Whoa, whoa, that's that's strong. And I know I've just offended many of my colleagues in the profession who probably will never talk to me again. Um, Here's here's the dilemma that I see. I can't tell you the number of times I've gotten a phone call and said, we need to do a journey map, can you help us? Okay, why do you wanna do the journey map? Because I read this article that said we need to do a journey map in order to have an effective CX strategy. I said, that's not a reason. And and I'm not criticizing journey maps. Don't misunderstand me. Journey maps are very effective. They're an effective tool. But if you don't have context, if you don't have it in a framework of what you're trying to accomplish, then just doing a journey map for the sake of doing a journey map is a useless exercise that's gonna waste a lot of time and a lot of money for your organization. And what you'll end up with is a lot of information, a lot of data, and if you don't do anything with it, then why did you do it in the first place? So I, when I hear that statement about, I have to do a journey map, let's put it in context. Why do you wanna do this? What are you trying to accomplish? Uh, uh, an ancillary comment that I've heard quite often is, I'll get a call from a CEO and it says, he says, he or she says to me, uh, we need to improve our customer experience. So would you come in and fix our customer service? And my answer is no. And then what do you mean? I said, fixing your customer service is not going to fix your customer experience. It's about end to end. You have to look at every component of the experience in order to improve it. And just fixing customer service, while it may have problems, is not going to drive improvements in experience. So for me, this this reactionary kind of trend to say we got to do a journey map. Maybe a journey map is the thing to do, but maybe a touch point analysis, maybe a service blueprint, maybe just sitting down and drawing some boxes on a piece of paper that says step one in our process to step 10 in our process is all you need to do depending on where your organization is at. So busting the myth of journey maps is put in the context of saying if it's not part of an overall strategy that you're trying to establish and, and the why behind it, then then it's, you shouldn't do them. Enjoy it. And by the way, that, that applies to so many other things in what we do, right? Do we, doing it, just do it doesn't make sense. You understand why you're doing it, where it fits into the, the overall vision. Well, well, well done. I, I like that. Okay. Um, next question. So the second part of the final third uh, would be a quote it could be a CX quote or a business quote or, or series of quotes that resonate with you. Something that you'd like to share with the audience that's important for you. So I, I, I have two quotes that I use quite frequently. The first is from 
a movie called Burnt, B-U-R-N-T. It's about a chef in a, in a Michelin star restaurant. And I won't give up much of it away, but the quote in there by Bradley Cooper is, we do what we do and we do it together. And whether I'm leading 4,000 agents in an organization or working with a client, I think that's really important in the experiences. We do what we do and we do it together because let's get over this hump about, uh, you know, who owns the customer and, and marketing did that or sales did this, you know, the silo mentality, all that kind of stuff that's in organizations these days. And let's just say, let's do this together and, and win. And the second is an Alan Turing quote, which I probably won't get right, but it's the people you least imagine that do the things no one can imagine. And so when I go in to consult, when I go in to, to look at organizations, you know, I look for the people that are grinding out the work every single day on the front line and trying to make things work for the customer. And uh, those are the people that usually come up with the greatest ideas to improve um, the customer experience than, than anybody uh, that I've talked to in an organization. I love that one. Sometimes it's the ones that have the lowest title, the ones that are the doing the hard work, lower profile, but they're the ones that know the most, right? Exactly. Got it. Let's go to the final third of the final third here. CX hero. Now, this is going to be interesting. I'm curious to know who a CX hero would be for you. So uh, I'm going to, you mentioned um, my podcast. So uh, I'm going to mention an individual by the name of Glenn Brown. So um, on an earlier podcast, I interviewed Rick King, who's chairman of the Metropolitan Airports Commission at Minneapolis St. Paul International Airport, an airport where I spend a fair amount of time during normal travel periods. And uh, he and the MAC team are really leading the customer experience. Well, in the process of talking with him, he connected me with Glenn Brown, who is a customer experience specialist at Minneapolis St. Paul Airport. He assists passengers. And I spent a half an hour talking with Glenn and getting his philosophy on customer experience, talking about being on the front line, helping passengers who may be disabled or or needing to make connections and he, he and his philosophy and customer experience he could write a book and i told him he should write a book but basically he said you know what bob i live by the golden rule and that's how i deliver experiences by the golden rule treat others as you would want to be treated and he said add a little humor and then no one to talk and no one to be quiet and i said glenn I, those are just fantastic <laughs> Um, uh, recipes for success in customer experience. So he is uh, my hero, uh, my CX hero. It's just dawning on me that the podcast that I had alluded to earlier was Glenn Brown. Yes, if, if you there were there were two with the Metropolitan Airports Commission, but Glenn would be the most recent one, and and yeah. uh, Glenn's just phenomenal. Um, single father raising, uh, I think, seven children. It's just, it, the, the story is just very inspiring. And and above all that, he knows how to deliver a great experience. Yeah, that was a great, great episode of your podcast. Really enjoyed it. Well, we are wrapping up uh, this session with Bob Asman. I've really enjoyed it. Paul, <laughs> I, now I understand why you're buzzing. 
I get it. <laughs> Amazing, right? Amazing. Bob, if it's all right, I do have a couple of questions for you, if that's okay. Of course. Um, so my first question kind of relates to experience I've had when I've walked into companies. Um, and a lot of the companies, so I've I've probably had a little bit of a different path compared to Neil. I've come from a sales background and I've moved into customer experience. Um, so companies that I've worked for in the past, they make a big song of dance about having a mystery caller process. But in reality, all that mystery caller process is, is once a month, they'll call up with some fixed scenarios and walk that through with the agents and don't necessarily do anything with the information, right? I think what you're saying is, yes, by all means, have a mystery caller process, but that's not the be-all and end-all. You need to add in additional layers and certainly do something with your findings, right, or your outputs. Is that Have I understood that correctly? Uh, I would say... Again, here we go. You're gonna now. I'm gonna offend a whole more uh, another group of my colleagues. I'll I'll be out. Of, I'll be cast aside from the profession before that. Once this podcast airs, but um, the mystery shopper. You know, I, I I ran large customer service organizations for many years, and I was always asked to do mystery shopping, and I didn't do it. And the reason I didn't do it is because it it puts a. The, the agent has a feeling like you're uh, checking in on them or big, what, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, um, somebody's looking over their shoulder. It's like right? an exam, right? It's like an exam. Yeah, right, yeah, right. And yeah. which is the gotcha call, right? And so uh, yes. I, I, I yeah. didn't, I never liked that approach. Okay. And instead, what I suggested is why don't we, you know, listen to calls, listen to calls with the agent together in the room, let's talk through what went well, what didn't, you know, don't have everything be tied to how fast you're getting off the phone. And so we're going down a contact center route. But when you're talking about moving from transactions to relationships, uh, that's what you're talking about is giving the agent the authority to do their job to create that relationship. And consequently, I don't think you need the mystery shopper if you've built uh, a culture that that allows that agent to do what they think is best on behalf of the customer and the company. Yeah, no, that makes sense. No, I agree. I think a collaborative approach rather than a gotcha approach certainly works, right, is, is a better way to go. Um, my last question is related to what you were talking about, the kind of theme that I've picked up is that, and it, Neil, it's something we've heard from a few guests now, and I wonder if this is a result of the pandemic or the situation we kind of found ourselves in. Um, was that everybody has, regardless of your position in the company, everybody has a little bit of ownership on the whole customer journey, whether that's experience, whether that's service, whatever it is, everybody somewhere owns a little bit of that journey. Is that right? Absolutely. Um, you know, we were we were talking with friends last night. Do you remember uh, that Greek wedding movie that they had out? You know, and oh, uh, yeah, the, my big fat Greek wedding was that. Yeah, the and the father yeah. walked around and with Windex would cure everything, and then every word he would say, um, well, that comes from the Greek word, and he would fill in the blank. Right? Every, <laughs> well, this is a little bit like that, right? It, it kind of relates to it because. Everybody has a piece of this. So I sometimes play a game when we're when I'm meeting with organizations and people and they'd say, I don't touch the experience. Okay, what do you do? Well, I produce the bills. Oh, okay. Or I produce an accounting statement. What happens if the accounting statement is wrong? Well, that causes a ripple effect. And you could get right back to how it impacts the customer. And 
and so yes, everybody plays a part in this. And and I I think I don't think we do a good enough job as organizations of helping that out. We we do posters and programs and all this yeah. about you know CX, but um, I, I had a CEO one time said, "Effective tomorrow, we will be customer focused," and that was it. That was the entire extent of the memo, and and people walked around the organization going, well, so what do we do, right? Yeah. We got to focus on behaviors and what are we going to do differently? And once we focus on behaviors, that'll create a culture that will drive experiences for everybody in the organization. Perfect. Bob, you've been an absolute pleasure. I've learned so much in what, just under an hour. It's been a privilege to, to hear you speak, my friend. Honestly, thank you so, so much. It's been Neil. a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, this, this was great. Really, really appreciate it. Um, Again, I, I would recommend uh, this to the audience. Certainly buy the book. Certainly read this chapter. Audience, experience your customer's experience with an exclamation point. Please, exclamation point. Do it. And they are lessons in here. How to do that, exclamation point. Uh, don't, uh, wait, I mean, butcher it. I can't believe I'm about to butcher it. Don't blaspheme the customer experience. <laughs> they, you know, yourself. the the exclamation, your orders. <laughs> the exclamation points made it past the editors. I'm not sure the <laughs> blaspheme would have made it past there, but <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure the blaspheme or our pastel shirts today. But you know what? Right. We we had fun doing this. We had we we had some good banter here and uh, definitely some some learnings. Bob, you're a wonderful guest. We hope to have you back at some point. We're going to be uh, following you, uh, following the things you write. We want to hear more, hopefully, about your classes. Um, uh, we'd like to have you back on a panel at some point or some other uh, session. We'll have to figure out what that would be, but you've been a wonderful guest and so appreciate uh, your willingness to discuss all things customer experience. And like I said, we'll be cheering you on, rooting for you. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Super. So this is Fireside Chats About the Fires. Audience, as we like to do, please rate and review our podcasts. We want feedback if you love us. Give us a five-star rating. If you don't love us, give us an appropriate rating, but give us a reason why. We want to know why. We want to staple ourselves to your order so we know what your experience is. We want to know if we are blaspheming your experience, and hopefully we're not, but we want to know how to fix that. We want to be part of a fix. We want to give you good, good content uh, and create an interesting path for you to continue to learn and, and participate uh, in the CX world that we all live in and need to learn more and more from. Thank you so much, audience. Again, this was season two, episode 15. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we will have uh, additional authors in the Customer Experience 3 book uh, coming up. Continue to follow us. Thank you for your listenership and uh, for being a part of our journey. Happy week, everyone. The episode is over, but the conversation continues. Please rate and review us in Apple Podcasts. Post a comment and subscribe to stay on the leading edge of customer experience. To get in touch or be a guest, follow us on Twitter at ChatsFires or on LinkedIn or in your podcast repository of choice. Thank you.